Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I celebrate my birthright to choose as I please. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And we're looking today at the topic of decision making, or rather the lack of, when people in life have a lot of trouble making even the most simple decisions. I had a client that came to me recently um, on a different topic, actually, and it was just through the coaching session that it came out that she can't make decisions on anything in her life at all. Nothing. Nothing. Like what to order in a restaurant? No, nothing. Nothing Mm. at all. And she presented as a very dynamic, hot-ass, like really good-looking lawyer that's very successful in her work. But interestingly, I imagine that that field would suit because – She's following rules. Isn't that There's no interpretation. There's no decision-making process. Yeah. Um, isn't it interesting how we choose the careers based on, mm, you know, around what, we, what we're either good at or what we don't want to do is not a part of. Very safely buffered in that, yeah, in that system. Yeah, yeah, um, And so one of the things that came out towards the end of the coaching session was that she actually does struggle with decisions on every level, every area of her life. Mm. And I said, well, you know what? If you do, I think a lot of other people would as well. So let's uh, explore it with my friend, Beck. Mm, certainly, I know that my mother has a close friend. This woman drives my mother crazy because they do travel together a bit and they do spend a bit of time. She's the same deal. And it is stuff like they'll go into a dress shop and two and a half hours later she still can't decide between this black bag or that black bag because I might make a wrong decision and I might fail or my choice might bring some sort of suffering, you know, as a consequence of my choice, I might bring it. I mean, that, that's got to be at the root of it, right? I mean, when we're talking about things like whether to order the pasta, the beef or the chicken or whether to get this bag or that bag, but, but it's symptomatic. It's not, it doesn't seem that important, but it's symptomatic of larger and then the bigger decisions in life that they really are paralyzed on, mm. how to actually further their realities, mm. right? It can be very frustrating to have friends like that. As somebody who I, I do make decisions quite easily, um, now I don't think I have too many hang-ups about if I make the wrong one. I mean, there are some things that you wish it came with a guarantee, but mm. it doesn't. However, I have had people in my life who can't make decisions, and that's fine, and they're happy to follow while you lead, but then if I make a decision that doesn't please them, you certainly hear about it. Yeah. And that's not fair. That That kind of fires me up a little bit. Yeah. You know, it was it was interesting that um, uh, I remember, oh, quite a few years ago, going away with a group of people, and and I actually did get a bit drained, thinking I'm tired of being the social organizer. I'm always the one that has to organize everything every day. It was like everyone would just come to me and say, "What are we doing today, Jane?" It's like I wanted to say, "I don't know. What do you want to do?" Oh, I don't know. I don't mind. I'm happy to go with the flow. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> Yeah. And I remember this one night I we were wandering out to find a restaurant to eat at and I really I, I wasn't hungry and I said, Look, I'm really not fussed at all. What does everyone feel like? And you know, and this one person said, Oh, look, you know, anything but not seafood. And I said, All right, well, off you go. And we walked past about ten restaurants that would have all been perfect, any of them. And the poor thing couldn't make a decision. And I didn't realise quite how traumatic this was in her life until I actually placed her in a, in a situation where she could choose. Right. So I wasn't doing that to be cruel. I was going, come on, let's please you. You, you can choose the restaurant. Yeah. And completely incapable. Just it stopped at every 
restaurant and sort of looked at the menu on the wall, on the window and said, well, what, what do you think? What right? do you think? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really, I stopped and felt very sorry for her because we have to make decisions every day. We're making them nonstop. Yeah. What will I have for breakfast? What time do I get up in the morning? Shall I have my shower first? Shall I have breakfast first? Shall I, you know, it, it just is nonstop decisions. And I think sometimes in a group that kind of gets compounded. Like you'll get a group of people standing on the edge of the sidewalk and no one can decide where to go for dinner or what to do next. And it's funny. And that's why leadership is such an amazing quality. You know, people really do need leaders in life. And we always do look to leaders because sometimes the group consciousness gets a bit stuck. We all just get a it bit. It does. It does. But, you know, on the other side for the leaders, it can get a bit, um, I often do feel it's unfair when people people will follow 95% of the time and then you cop it for the 5% and you think, you know, hang on, guys, that's not fair. It's interesting. That's it's, really it's not fair. It's a very interesting dynamic that we, you know, we look at our political leaders and how we surrender all our power to them then we bitch and complain about them nonstop the whole time. Yeah, but we're not standing up and doing the job ourselves. <laughs> it's all very interesting. <laughs> so, and I know that looking at my own life, the way that I used to make decisions when I was younger, say in my 20s, and the way that I make them now in my 30s has really undergone a facelift and it's really interesting because – the decisions that I used to make weren't based on any real depth of understanding myself. Because of a lack of, oh, okay. They were just right. based on like um, either doing what I felt was right because, you know, mum and dad would want me to or everyone else would like it or it would be the best thing to do. It, it was They were much more rational type decisions. And these days being who I am, my decisions go much, you know, through a much more deeply filtered process of my spirituality, my emotions and my feelings and my gut. And now this is where true decision making can be very hard because usually the decision that you know you need to make feels like the hardest one. It feels like the one you shouldn't be choosing or the one that's going to cause the most drama or hassle or, you know, backlash or whatever. And those are unfortunately the decisions where the universe is really, really testing you to show what you're made of, to honour yourself, to bring out your, your inner strength and do all of those things and really make the choice which is best for, you know, for you, for your best and highest good, not worrying about if other people are going to disagree, not worrying about how it's going to impact the rest of the world. But if you're doing it from a higher place for yourself, um, it's one of the greatest things you can ever be called upon to do. So where does this all come from, Beck? Does it come from childhood where it's about, particularly with girls, of being the good girl? Yeah, there's a lot of people Being the people pleasing. pleasing. Yeah. I mean, this beautiful client, you know, she was in her early, she's in her early 30s, and she's a good girl. You know, she really is. But she's really, I believe, has not had the opportunity to make a decision. Actually, we've touched on this before in a podcast about religion. Yeah of making a decision that is right for her but would displease perhaps others. Yeah. So it's all around the fear of the, the group. Of the group. Of pressure, I think it's group social. I think it's group energy. I mm. think the people that can't make a decision. Um like for example, we go back to, you know, was it ten years ago, whatever it was, when this group of people um were choosing a restaurant. Now I wonder if she'd been going out by herself, she would have probably been okay to choose a restaurant. No less less pressure. Yeah. Less fear yeah. of being seen to be wrong in the public eye or yes. compared against someone else. Or yes. And I wonder about your mum's friend, if she approval. would have had an easier time choosing which handbag if your mum wasn't there. I don't know. I think she's pretty bad in general. But, you know, I think I've got another pop theory for, for why some people come out this way. I think, you know, we've talked often, Jane, about women from our mother's generation and the world that they were raised in and so forth. And you know, certainly my mother, who was born in 1939, that is a long time ago. So she really was a product of the 50s. Yes. And men were at the head of the household. The mothers, who were the role models for the girls at that time, 
you know, there were some feisty women and there were some women that had careers as teachers or nurses or what have you, but for the most part, they weren't really allowed to still make the decisions. No. They didn't run the money. They, you know, they could make decisions about the household and maybe what food to put on the table at night. And but what it didn't, curtains they can buy. didn't extend much further than that. And mm. I think you often had these kind of lost or flaky kinds of parents and the kids have grown up not really knowing how to harness or access that power for themselves. That's interesting. I've just had a light bulb moment because this lady comes from a very um, old-fashioned European family. The client that you saw. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yes. So she might not know what it looks like so for a woman to be. So we're still seeing, aren't we? Here we are, power. 2014, and we're still seeing a quality of the sexes playing out, you yeah. know, of, of women really coming into their own power yeah. in certain areas. But let's move beyond that because there are blokes who can't make decisions. I was about as well. to say exactly that. Because <laughs> we're the same, Jane. And so when we've got, so let's, let's just now level the field and say, look, if anyone out there, feels genuinely like their pulse rate is quickening, you know, their heartbeat's going up, they've got sweaty palms, dry mouth when they are faced or confronted with a decision in life. Okay, it's time to do some a bit of digging around. It's time to do a little bit of inner work here, okay, because there is a real fear of failure. There is, fear is the underlying word here that we are dealing with. Total fear. paralysis of being able to move forward confidently in life and to have a confident sort of a feeling around, well, I'll choose this and if it doesn't work out, I know I'll land on my feet, I'll pull myself up and I'll just keep on going. Well, I would also suspect that these people have had very controlling parents, incredibly controlling, that they've never been empowered with the opportunity to make their own decision. Yeah. I mean, these are children that were probably 14, 15 years old and their clothes were still being picked out for them by their parents. Yeah. And they were told what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, who they're going to be friends with, what sports they're going to play. Yeah. And it was, and again, we can go back to our society, you know, cultural growth of where, you know, each generation is wanting their children to succeed further than they did. And so it could be coming from a beautiful place of, I know I've experienced and I want you to have a better life than me, so this is what you're going to do. Right. There's not much authenticity in it and there's certainly no empowerment in it. No, that's right. So, you know, to the I love it when I go well, go down the supermarket or go to the shop or whatever and, and you see this gorgeous little two or three year old child that is wearing the most eclectic, mismatched yeah. outfit and they feel fantastic. Yeah. That's empowerment. They're making choices. The kids who never fell out of trees or fell off their bikes and learned that, well, you know, it hurts, but you get up and life goes on, you know. And when I think of some of the most dazzling multimillionaire successful business people, they're really interesting because usually when you hear their stories, you find out, okay, they didn't just become amazing when they were like 21 and they've been amazing ever since, you know. If you were to chart their life on a graph, they've usually had massive crashes, as in they've lost everything, bankrupt or sued or it all fell in a heap, and then they got back on the horse and went again, and then the next time they spike up slightly higher, and then they crash again, then the next time they spike up slightly higher. So you start to see that these people have no fear of failure, and they deal with massive amounts of money, they gamble with massive risks every day, and that they've actually become hardened. Or It's not hardened, it's, it's a different level of confidence because they have learnt in the greatest possible level, if I fail, if I make the wrong decision, if this doesn't work out and if I am wrong, and there's something there about admitting being wrong too, um, I know that I can get back up and survive again and I'll always be okay. And I love this. This is so important to my whole philosophy on how I live life. 
I can remember being in my 20s and we used to have this little joke. I really wanted to be in a relationship. And we'd have a joke that would go out Friday night and I'd meet some nice guy and he might ring Saturday and I might spend Sunday night on a date with him or Sunday. And it was a great date. And Monday, I'm reminiscing and telling the girls in the office about it. Tuesday, I'm waiting for the phone call. Wednesday, the phone call hasn't come. Thursday, who cares? Back on the bike. Friday night, out we go. Let's meet another boy. (laughs) But I always, now that was an exaggeration. But I always celebrated that I had the ability to go into a relationship and love. Yeah. Knowing that if I got hurt, I'll survive it. Right. I always felt very empowered by that. Likewise, I truly believe that when you learn the art of failure, that's when you've learned how to succeed. Right. And until you've learned to fail, you can't succeed. It's a real raw, like pulling back, like Truth or failure? If you want to call it failure, is there ever really failure? No, not really. There's failure. Not, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's, it's just, an illusion. It's a word. It's only if you are being externally validated by other people's perception of what's going on that you can ever have a fear of failure. Yeah, let's talk. I don't know that we've really talked about failure a lot on our show. So did we let's do this. Now. I think I'm the queen of failure. <laughs> I actually, I could not. I will go into new business ventures all the time and absolutely not care. I mean, no, that's not true. Because I don't care. That's not true. You get nervous. Be impeccable with my words. I get nervous. There's, you know, prices to be paid in various different ways. There's risks that you're taking. Absolutely, absolutely. But it makes me feel alive. It does. And I feel that if something doesn't work, my life experience has shared with me that there are so many gifts if it doesn't work the way that I think it's going to work. Well, this is why we need to take the word failure out and put a different word in. Now, I would use soul growth. I would use lessons. I would use Oh, the lessons. Yeah. It's how you learn. It's As you said, it's that person that fails and then they go up to a certain point and then they fail again and then they go up, but they go up higher. Abraham Lincoln is my all-time favorite example of this. I know I can't remember the quote. Did he have six failed elections? Something like it was something I don't understand the American um, uh, political system. So excuse my ignorance on that. Don't know it because I don't need to know it. However. Let's say that the first level is local council. So he's gone for, he wants to be the, the king honcho of the local government, uh, local government. And he went for the election and he failed. Now what's amazing about him is that he went, Oh, well, I'm going to go for state now. Yeah. 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 So he went for bigger and he failed again. And then he said, Oh, well, I'm going national. Yeah. And he failed. And then he went, Oh, well, I'm going to go for the president and he got it. Yeah. So he actually had. All these failures. Statistically, he should never have been the president. No, it's, and I love that. That's a really great story. It's actually not actually about you. Don't actually have to achieve the steps underneath. You don't have to tick those boxes. You've just got to learn the lessons that you get from those boxes. And wouldn't you rather be the person you are after the event than the one you were before? Because totally. you've been spat out the other end a completely different. You might have had some corners knocked off you, but that's all your war wounds and your badges and your stripes. Like you've yeah, you go stripes. through to you know how to forgive all of that stuff that we've talked about in many other podcasts, and you go through all of that, and out come the jewels. There the diamonds come out, and all the gems yeah. of of what you've learned. So really. To have the ability to, we will use the word fail, to have the ability to fail is the key to living. And something that I think is really important with reframing, because we've just reframed failure, so let's reframe decision-making rather than seeing choices as things that have to be done. And that there's a right or a wrong. Yeah, and it's a chore and it's a burden and it's scary and it's all those kinds of things and putting judgment on it. 
you know, reframe it as opportunities to explore. Yes. You know, we need to be excited about the number of choices we're currently being presented with every day to make yourself, to further yourself, to be the best that you can possibly be. You are, the universe is beautiful. It is constantly rushing forward with opportunities for you to keep changing and fine honing and remolding and re-navigating till you get, you know, more and more and more on track and into alignment with your truest self. And again, you, you don't just make one choice and then you're stuck forever. That's not how the universe works. I have yet to see a decision that can be made that can't be undone yeah. with the right opportunities and words and emotions and responsibility. Oh, I love it. I spent over a year once counselling a girl about getting married and she, there was no reason why not. She was with a fantastic guy. She'd already been with him for years. Like everything was fine and she had such a fear of commitment. And, you know, who knows why, but she did. But we got there eventually because part of the biggest thing that she just had to internalise was if I make a mistake and it doesn't work out, so what, and I just fix it up, move on and choose again. People need to really realise that it's not the end of the world. That's right. You just, you know what, you will make loads of what we call wrong decisions. There are no wrong decisions. There's, they're all, it's all just growth. There will be heaps of times in your life that you'll find yourself in places or with people of your own doing and creating which aren't resonating with you anymore, and then you choose again and you choose differently. Which is why we have the opportunity to choose. Mm. We have the choice between two different things because it gives us an experience that then enables us to have a platform for another experience from. So it is, I guess, one of the easiest things that I think people can do is start to gather new evidence. Here we go. There's my word again that it's okay to make decisions. Yeah. And so rather than thinking about, oh, do I change careers? That's a big decision. Let's chunk it down to bite size. What am I going to have for breakfast? Now, instead of going, oh, I don't know, I've got so much to choose from, you're going to grab two things and say, which will I have, A or B? And then you choose whichever one you want. Now, remember um, the story I shared before of Viktor Frankl, um, the psychotherapist with the potato in the concentration camp. Shall I eat all of my potato now? Shall I cut it up into halves and have half now, half later? Shall I cut it up into 10 pieces and have it throughout the day? Do I need all of this potato? Shall I save some for tomorrow? Shall I share some of this with other people? If so, how many people? And at what time of the day should I give it to them? And who should I give it to? And so on. That's all choice from one potato. And from from one seemingly you know, limitless, uh, limit, limited, uh, you know, position that he was in where everyone else would look at it and say he was a slave and he was identityless and he was powerless and all of those things and he's exhibiting that in every moment of being a human being you are choosing. That's right. And interestingly, interestingly enough, those that were positive and had those choices were the ones that survived the concentration camp and those that felt like they were victims unfortunately often didn't. Now that might be controversial what I've just said. Yes. But this is this is from his readings and it resonated with me as some truth in that. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I really and I think feel, oh sorry, can I just say though that yes. that was chunking it up. I've got a potato and that's chunking it up to give lots of choices. So that's great for people when they feel stuck in life and they've got they feel like they're a bit of a victim and they can't move through. But the reverse happens when you're paralyzed by making incorrect decisions is because you feel you've got too much choice in life, so you don't make any decisions. So what you do is you chunk it down, you go, it's just a potato, I'm eating the whole thing right now. Love it. Does that make sense? I love yeah. it. And then you eat it and then you document what came about as a result of me eating it all in one go and not saving some for later or sharing some. There is no evidence to gather because everything was fine. And then you go, right, well, now which handbag am I going to have? 
Now, one of the other things with decisions, there's a little bit of a, dis- a discipline in when you make the decision, you then commit to making it the right one. So it's like you want to go out and buy a handbag, you go and buy the handbag, and then aren't you so angry when a week later you see it on sale for $100 less than what you paid? Don't look. Once you've bought it, don't look. Once you've made the decision, make it the right one. I don't know which which school to share, send my child to. When you do make the decision, then stop comparing, stop talking about the other schools and start seeing the positives of what it is you've chosen. Right. Commit when to you it. buy a house and you've had all this massive decision of which house do I buy and you buy it, then you find everything positive and love about it so that it's the right decision. Right. So whatever decision you end up making, it's then in your power to make it the right one. That's right. And you know what? Again, if you get six months or six years down the track and it was the wrong decision, change it. That's right. Go back and try the other one. We don't option. live in concrete moulds. That's right. Like, exactly. Everything here is a fluid, constantly moving, quantum buzzing reality. Like it's all about evolution, right? It's all about evolution. And to that end, I want to say that I think that the most poisonous, toxic type of way of living is when you're making decisions in your life which you're doing unthinkingly. So, for example, I see this in like 40-something, 50-year-old ladies who live – a nice quiet life with their husband and they've kind of just been doing the same default routine decision making for 30 years or more like you know every Tuesday I get up and I go to the supermarket and I buy a can of baked beans and I put that in you know cupboard and then I go to my knitting class and then I go to my and it's just like it's again it's back to consciousness and unconsciousness there's a lot of unconscious decision making going on where people aren't really going maybe I should change this up Maybe I should do a pattern interrupt. Maybe I've been getting the same results my whole life and I don't like them and I should try choosing, deliberately making decisions that are totally polar opposite just to see where it takes me, where, where I could land, you know? A lot of my clients come to me at Social 8, so not, not the coaching practice but um, at, the, uh, at the social club and for single people, they come to me because they say they want to put themselves out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And it's so brave and bold and it is fantastic. And courage is involved with decisions. It is often a case of courage when you're doing a decision which does feel a bit scary for you, gut feelings breathing it to you, but society's telling you no or logic's telling you no. You know, and it it can be such a hugely cathartic, transformative experience to see what you're made of when you really do honour a decision that's right for you it, it's a, it's just you know money can't buy it jane it's priceless know, that it's kind exciting. of experience right exactly and i just want to say on on a scientific note it's really interesting what science has to say about this because they've actually looked at people with certain types of brain damage and with, with both parts of their brain not connecting and so forth and they've seen that you actually need feelings to make decisions They've discovered that people who only make decisions from the rational part of their brain can't make a decision. They, if you give them two options, even if it's very something very, very simple like an apple or a banana, they'll spend hours and hours and hours trying to get there. There need to be feelings involved. Now, this is no surprise oh, to you and me, obviously. No. Right, but <clears throat> so feelings are crucial to decision-making, and which is why, of course, Jane and I want you to take it to the next level and really go into your heart, really go into your gut, feel in your body, feel in your stomach. The truth is being breathed to you all the time about the best path for you to walk. And you're just in denial if you're not listening because we all know, okay? Another thing that's interesting is that people who really do have difficulty making decisions are often depressives. So it's often a symptom of depressive illness. So if you're depressed or you well, that's have that's spending too much time in the past. So they've gathered evidence that they make bad decisions. So therefore, they start with tiny, small decisions and document the outcome. So they've, they've gathered evidence from the past of, of 
having made wrong decisions that have resulted in unhappiness in life. Yeah. So now they need to start going, well, hang on, I am not that person any longer. You know, you can't recreate an experience because you are not the same person. It's impossible. So therefore, every day that you're given, you're given a new opportunity to be able to make a new decision that is going to have a different outcome. Yeah. So it is getting the patent pen out and starting to write down what decision did I make today and what was the result? Well, actually, I decided that I'm not going to go in the office at 9 o'clock. I'm going to tell my boss that I'm actually coming in at 10 o'clock because that suits me better and I've wanted to try this. I'm going to try it and see what happens. And then what's the outcome? The boss goes, oh, okay, are you going to stay till 6 instead of 5? Yeah, sure. Right. No big deal. What's the big deal? Right. Nothing. Or it might be that the boss says, okay, no problems. Um, well, can you start that next week? Because I kind of was expecting you to be here at nine this week. So if you can finish off this week at nine, then start at 10 next week. What have you written down? There was no outcome. There was, there was positive. There was nothing negative. Right. So now we're gathering evidence that you have the ability to be able to make decisions that do affect other people and that there isn't trauma involved in the outcome. Yeah. At the same time, as you do this, you're recognizing that when you go to make those decisions, you are a more worldly person, a more knowledgeable person, a cleverer person because of your past experiences. Yeah. So you're, if you don't do this, you're dishonoring all of your life experience up to this point that has given you the ability to be able to make different decisions. Beautiful. What if you're a person who, you know, the evidence is that you make a lot of bad decisions and you're surrounded by toxic people, you're in a tough job, life is hard, things aren't going your way. I'd be having a look there at how you've got some internal self-sabotage going on and you are unconsciously perhaps always choosing the things that are going to bring you drama, that are going to bring you pain, that are going to bring you things that say, I'm not really worthy, I don't really deserve this, life is meant to be hard or whatever belief it is that you're actually trying to, you know, hold on to there. I would also suggest that perhaps trying to find a time in your life where you've just felt content, not excitement, not joy, not angry, not sad, just Play neutral. content. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a little bit above, a little bit above, neutral. a little bit above neutral. You know that peaceful, content, all is well with the world. It's just a very gentle, beautiful feeling. Yeah, find a time that you've experienced that, and then try and sit in it and actually think. Do I want more of this in my life? See, that actually freaks some people out because they've either grown up in households where there's been so much drama that that's what they consider normal and they feel really like fish out of water if life is too peaceful and too quiet and they're on their own. And that's why they're constantly making decisions to bring more drama in all the time. But, again, we've got lots of podcast shows. I was going to say, that's a big, to podcast, big topic. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I once heard ages ago uh, in restaurants that they say if you have a menu with more than 15 items you're inviting trouble, people get paralysed and they can't order. Hilarious. Did you not see my Facebook photo from Thailand? No. We had a menu that had 700 and I think it was 50. What? Seven. I've never seen anything like it. it was a book. It was a two-inch thick spiral-bound book. Yeah. See, people and it was this little tiny kitchen, and really, yeah. And so we thought it was hilarious. So we ordered all these different things. They all came out. Yeah. Everything came out. Everything came so out. I think there was this whole amazing system going on back, backstage behind the scenes where there's probably 20 restaurants all lined up and they've all got the same menu, but each kitchen's cooking something different and they just all go and get it from whoever. 
so I, yeah, maybe. So I mentioned this just because if you are in business, if you're in marketing, if you're in psychology of, of choices and decisions for clients, for products, for services, never give people too many options. It just paralyzes them. Keep right. it simple, stupid. You give them maybe two, maybe three. Keep it really, really simple mm. and you get much faster, more direct, faster decision making from the people that you want the answers from. Um, and another final piece of advice I want to give today is it's funny, you know, being a psychic and everything and, and, and a counsellor because whenever I'm in an issue, in a quandary in my life, I very annoyingly have people like my mother and often girlfriends say things to me like, you know, well, Rebecca, you know, what would you, if this was a client coming to you, what would you be telling them right now? And it's that whole thing. So if you are stuck in a really big decision, pretend like you're advising a friend. Ah, third person. And just I like hear it. yourself actually maybe listen to pros and cons. Hear how you present it if you speak it out loud to the mirror and go, yeah, I think I just heard the truth there. I think well, you I, know, that's like, our, that's like our podcast. When I listen back to them later on, I think, oh, I need that advice right now. <laughs> giving me my own advice. Yes, that's right. All right, look, it's been wonderful to have you join us today on thewellnesscouch.com. We're here every Wednesday for free and a half hour show. And we've got now a newsletter sign-up service on Facebook which is facebook.com forward slash love life show. So we want to grab your email addresses so that you can really become part of our tribe and so we can shower you with free gifts and notifications about stuff that Jane and I are up to. And until this time next week, I celebrate my birthright to choose as I please. Have fun making decisions and explore the opportunities that they bring. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.